This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson here from Studio B on the campus of the Pelicans and the Saints off Airline Drive. Hope this Tuesday finds you well. As a rough night last night at the Smoothie King Center. Pelicans uh, fall in double overtime to the Memphis Grizzlies. 110-108, a very shorthanded Grizzlies team, a very shorthanded Pelicans team for that matter. Pelicans had six guys out, including... Of course, Dante Cunningham, Drew Holiday missed a game due to turf toe. Etwan Moore missed a game due to toe contusion. You already had Quincy Pondexter out. Tyreek Evans out, and Sheck Diallo is on a D-League assignment. So nine guys available last night for the Pelicans, and uh, they were led by Anthony Davis. 28 points, 17 rebounds, 48 minutes played. He looked kind of gassed at the end. Played, I believe, 91 minutes in the last two games since the Pelicans played on Sunday night against the Thunder. So a very much-needed day off for the Pelicans today. As they dropped to 7-15 last night, it was a, a very good game, I would say, as far as the drama at the end, but as far as the quality of play, not the best with both teams being very shorthanded. Marcus Gasol hits a big three to send the game into overtime. Troy Daniels hits a big three to send it basically into double overtime, and then Gasol again hits a jumper uh, with about a minute to go to seal the deal for, New for Memphis as they improve to 14-8. They had a lot of their guys missing same as the Pelicans, six guys out, Vince Carter, Mike Conley, James Ennis, Brandon Wright, Chandler Parsons, and Zach Randolph. So Marcus Gasol led the way with a triple-double, 28 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. That's the second straight time, second straight night, I should say, that the Pelicans have allowed a triple-double. Sunday night, of course, was Russell Westbrook, who now has six straight triple-doubles after he had another one last night in Atlanta. And then he had Marcus Gasol last night doing it. For Memphis, off the bench, it was Troy Daniels, who had a career-high 31 points against the Lakers two nights ago. Last night, 29.7 three-pointers on 11 attempts and 10 of 20 from the field. Tony Allen added 19 points and 14 rebounds on 9 of 14 shooting. So overall, a nice night for Memphis as they are trying to recover from injuries. Same for the Pelicans, but the Pelicans at least will have a couple days off now before they get back in action and need to start turning the corner real quick here. As they are 7-15, they'll take on the Philadelphia 76ers on Thursday night at the Smoothie King Center. Tuesdays are usually a day off for the Saints as another Monday night football game in the books last night as the Colts routed the Jets. I believe the score was 41-10. Uh, not a good game at all, but uh, that week is over and time to move on here to week 14 where the Saints will take on uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They faced the Buccaneers twice in the last Four weeks here. It's a big game in the division as the Saints are two games back of the Bucks and Falcons. So it's probably do or die here for New Orleans with a chance to gain some ground on Tampa Bay. And they also have a chance to uh, take on Atlanta, which is their final game of the season in Atlanta. Atlanta is at L.A. Uh, this weekend. So um, chance for Atlanta to get back in action and uh, back in the win column after a tough loss on a two-point conversion. I know how New Orleans Saints fans feel about that, but the way the Falcons uh, ended that game uh, I know Saints fans don't feel bad for them, which is which is fine. But man, um, and good for Eric Berry there. Um, a pick six and a pick two for Kansas City kind of helped the Fal helped the Chiefs beat the Falcons 29 to 28. So we'll begin our preview um, this week, uh, probably tomorrow on Buccaneers and Saints. But today we'll focus on the Pelicans and fantasy football. Of course, it is Tuesday, which means Jim Mike and Offer from Pelicans.com will join me. 
talk about last night's game and kind of what to look for ahead here for New Orleans. And then we'll pay attention to fantasy football. Most of you will start the playoffs this week. I have one team that is in, and the other team has uh, one more week to go before playoffs start. So no fear. We have some playoff advice for you today with Jake Seeley from rotoexperts.com. He'll kind of help you out setting your lineups and any questions um, I will present to him. Hopefully they will help you out when setting your fantasy team up for the weekend. So lots to get to on this Monday. Let's get started. Unfortunately, we're talking about a Pelicans loss, but we will be talking Pelicans next with Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com. Stay with us. Billy Joel, the first New Orleans solo arena performance since 2004. Friday, February 10th at Smoothie King Center. Reserve seats on sale now at Ticketmaster. Friday, February 10th. Don't miss Billy Joel at Smoothie King Center. Live in New Orleans. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. It's guys' night out. You and the crew head out to the club. Tonight is ladies' night, but there are no ladies in sight. Where are the ladies, bro? Then a bad batch of hot wings sends you sprinting to the bathroom. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans. See Anthony Davis and the Pels face off against Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and the Golden State Warriors Tuesday, December 13th. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. It is Tuesday, as you all know, which means it's time to talk some Pelicans with Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com, who is too big time to come into Studio B and talk to me, so I have to call him on his personal line in one of his many chateaus here in the greater New Orleans area. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Hey, no problem. You know, I would have made it in, but I haven't had a day off in about, I don't know, four or six months, something like that. So I figured, you know, that I would I would take today off and, and be able to relax a little bit. It's very unusual that you have a Sunday, Monday back-to-back, in which case I'd have Tuesday off like this. So I just figured I would try to take advantage of it. No offense to you. Okay. You know, some other people have to work, even though they do work the back-to-back. So I'll be one of those guys, and I won't complain about it. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, awkward. All right, anyways. Uh, Jim, let's t- <laughs> let's talk about this uh, game last night. You speak of a back-to-back. It was a very long back-to-back considering last night's game went to double overtime as the Grizzlies fell. Uh, Grizzlies beat the Pelicans 110-108 to in double overtime. Both teams very shorthanded last night, so I'm not going to go as far as blaming injuries for the loss. Um, what should we blame the loss on for the Pelicans as far as kind of what was missing last night in the game? I thought one of the one of the biggest things really for both teams was it was just a bad offensive game and just wasn't well played. The weird thing was that there weren't that many turnovers for a game that went into double overtime. I don't remember exactly. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was one team had 13 turnovers, one team had 12 maybe or 14. 
which is really pretty good. Even for for a 48-minute game, that's a pretty low number. So it was a strange game in a lot of ways. And um, But I think um, both teams just really shot poorly and just had a hard time making shots. It seemed like it was headed for one of those, the beginning of the game, it seemed like it was headed for one of those 75 to 72 games, which was pretty much what happened the first teams played in Memphis game that we actually coincidentally got to call on the radio. So it was uh, it was just one of those nights where it was seems like team, both teams were kind of stuck in the mud trying to get something going offensively. Yeah, I agree with there though. But let's um, I want to go through the box score a little bit with you just for a second here with Anthony Davis at twenty eight. Rest of the starters only had twenty six. Nice con- contributions from Langston Galloway, but it seems the trend has uh, started again, Jim, where. Anthony Davis uh, pulls his weight with the 28 points, but no one really around him uh, can get anything going. Sure, and the, the unfortunate part about last night was that 24 hours after you make the decision to go to – Drew Holiday had already been in the starting lineup for a few several games, and you make the, the decision to have Etuan Moore start with Drew Holiday for the first time together. They both end up being out with toe injuries last night, so – even though, like you said, the, it was disappointing that you didn't get more from the starting lineup. It was a situation where you had to improvise again, and you ended up with, with guys starting that weren't the plan initially. So, But, um, yeah, Langston played well off the bench, and I think a couple other guys played well. Alexia Jensa and Terrence Jones both had, had a lot of good moments, but it still wasn't enough to get a win. All right, so the Pelicans won four straight when Drew Holiday returned. Now they've lost five of six. So kind of what? tell me um, what has gone on with this Pelicans team after such a good start with Drew Holiday. Why the sudden kind of um, decline in play? Well, I think, I mean, one thing simply put is he his play hasn't been at the same level as it was the first handful of games that he was back. It, it was kind of inevitable. I mean, if he stayed at the level that he was, it would have been really impressive if he was able to do that all season. So you know there's going to be some regression or, or some you know games where he's not you know all-world or whatever. But also I feel like across the roster there's also been a couple other guys that, that um, started off the season slow, played really well before and after Drew came back, and have, haven't played as well lately. So it's been um, kind of a combination as much as um, – People always, and rightfully so, look at Drew's come, coming back as kind of a turning point in the season. I said from the beginning that there was more to it than that and that it, it was going to take more than just Drew playing well, and I think that happened for a while. That it, it was Drew playing really well when he first came back as well as a few other guys that were really in a good groove. And um, unfortunately for the Pelicans, it's kind of gone back the other way a little bit um, these last uh, the last week or two. Let's look ahead to the the, the remaining uh, week here for New Orleans as they do have a home game. A couple days off, which is much needed after the back-to-back. They'll take on the Sixers on Thursday, and then you have a tough back-to-back on the road, a rare two-game West Coast trip, I should say, when you go all the way to Los Angeles, yeah. then go to Phoenix, and then have to travel back and have one day off before you face the Golden State Warriors next week. Uh, Jim, not an well, easy. That sounds like a fun schedule. Yeah, not an easy schedule here for a team that's <laughs> seven and fifteen and trying to claw their way back somewhat into the playoff picture. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, there's no doubt, no way around that. That's one other reason why you know I don't want to spend too much time. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, but last night's game was really important. I think because if you get that one, then maybe you can get the game against the Sixers coming up and then be on a little bit of a mini winning streak going into this road trip this weekend, followed by 
like you said, the one of the toughest home games you can have with Golden State here um, next Tuesday. So it's it's definitely um, you know not a not an easy stretch of games coming up. The Clippers and the Warriors are two of the best. I don't know, maybe three or four teams in the whole league. So it's a, it's a challenge. But like you said, the the days off I de- definitely think is much needed at this point because especially for Anthony Davis, he played. I think 43 minutes maybe against Oklahoma City, and then he played 48-plus last night with the double overtime game. So I think today is definitely, not just for me, a day of, of the guys that are going to be able to probably get away from basketball and just relax a little bit and, and um, hopefully get some good rest. Let's talk big picture here for the Pelicans as they do sit 7-15, five games back of a playoff spot if the season ended today. Jim, at what point are you saying, all right, they really have to turn the corner right now as far as stringing three, four wins together, or is it still, are we at a point where we say, hey, it's still early, there's 60 games to go, um, let's relax a little bit. Um, what, where are we at right now as far as either panicking, I wouldn't say panicking, but a sense of urgency having to be there, or saying, hey, you know, maybe we get Tyreek back in the next couple of games, we get some of these players healthy, time to put some wins together, and maybe it's not necessarily panic mode at this point. Well, I think Tyreek definitely will help. Um, he's going to be, it sounds like he's going to be on, you know, minute, minute restrictions pretty significantly. So I, I don't think you can bank on that as like the, the thing that's going to be the, the savior of the season. But the one thing I de- definitively can say is that they can't fall any further below 500 than they are right now. Sure. There's a lot of games left, but as we saw last season, when you get into a, a hole where you're, you know, 10, 12, however many games below 500, it becomes almost impossible to recover from that. So, um, there definitely should be urgency right now, though, as far as um, you can't you can't slide any further below 500 right now. It's eight games below 500. So the thing that's disappointing to me is that when after they had that that um, four game winning streak recently, and they were six and ten. Not that six and ten sounds like a great record, but after they started out 0 and eight, to me I was I, I could see a way to 500. I could see kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas right now you're back in a situation where it's going to take a lot of work and probably a good chunk of time to be able to get back to 500 or get within striking distance. It's almost at the point right now where you can't even think about that. I think as a team, you got to just try to play well and see if you can get closer and, you know, go back to the way you were playing when you won four in a row. But, um, but right now I, I think it's kind of a little bit of both. There is a lot of time left in the season, but at the same time, there's also, you're you're not in a situation right now where you can mess around and and, and dig even, an even bigger hole than you're already in because I mean this deep into the season, being five games out of eighth place is is a pretty significant number of games. And you're in a, a very tough Western Conference too. Last year we thought it was a, a down year I would say for the West as far yeah. as the eighth seed maybe being in right at 500. A lot of people talked about how deep it was, but I feel like we're kind of getting back to the the deep West as we thought when you have Portland at the eighth spot at 12 and 10. But you have Utah at 13-9, Memphis at 14-8, even with injuries. You have Thunder, Rockets, I mean, Clippers, Spurs, and Warriors compared to the East that really is just top-heavy with Toronto and Cleveland at this point. Um, it's it's going to be a tough task yeah. for the Pelicans, but what do you make of the Western Conference so far a quarter you know, of the way through the season? You know, what I think happened was um, <clears throat> when people, you know, you look at you look at uh, playoff predictions every year, I'm sure everyone does this, and you look at the the seven or eight teams that, almost everyone had in the playoffs and even what happened was, you know, Dallas was a, a playoff lock by a lot of people. I'm not sure if I necessarily thought they were, 
but they've been terrible, so that opens up a, a spot, quote-unquote. Um, Minnesota was a team that a lot of people thought would make the playoffs, and right now the way they've started out the season, they don't look like they're going to be in contention, so that kind of opens it up a little bit more. So I think the, after the first few weeks of the season, um, when you looked at the standings, you were thinking like, okay, this is more open than than maybe we thought it would be just because of some of these teams that were projected to be good have struggled so much. But in the last um, week or two, I'd, I'd say concurrent with the Pelicans, you know, going on this losing skid right now lately where they've lost five out of six, you've seen teams like Portland um, start to kind of pick it up. It, really the win over the Pelicans may have been kind of a somewhat of a turning point because they've won um, four out of five since then. And that, <clears throat> to me, Portland, right now Portland's eighth, and I think the Lakers are ninth. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people think the Lakers are going to re- regress and falter a little bit just because they're so young. It was hard to picture them keeping up the pace that they were on. But Portland is really the team that could be the, the one that kind of determines whether some of these other teams, including the Pelicans, have a have a realistic chance of getting back into the race or not. If Portland continues to play really well, it's going to make it even harder for a lot of these teams that are in spots nine through whatever to um, say, okay, we can get back in this race. If, if if Portland, you know, ends up winning 45 games or, or whatever, it's going to be just as tough or tougher than it was last year to be able to get into the playoff field wins-wise. Yep, and it all starts again on Thursday for the Pelicans, one game at a time, as Alvin Gentry would say, as the Pelicans take on the 76ers at the Smoothie King Center. That's Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Joining me as he always does, on Tuesdays, Jim, I uh, appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we're talking about a Pelicans win uh, Thursday on the postgame show, my friend. Sounds good. I will uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. When we come back, we'll get some uh, fantasy football advice from Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Is only a suggestion. Physics is just a theory. Impossible is merely an opinion. 
Monster Jam. Celebrating 25 years of adrenaline-charged family entertainment. Monster Jam. Presented by Metro PCS and your Southern Quality 4 dealers. And brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of New Orleans. Tickets start at $15. Prices subject to market demand. Additional fees apply. Coming to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome January 28th. Get tickets at MonsterJam.com. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. For a lot of you, fantasy football playoffs begin this week. So, of course, we have to have Jake Seeley on from RotoExperts.com, part of our fantasy focus presented by Campbell's Soup. Jake, always a pleasure. Happy playoff time to you, my friend. Yeah, happy playoff time to you as well. It was a good season. I made everything except for one. That, so. That's pretty good. I would I would take that every year. If I only have two teams, you have a bajillion. So <laughs> I only you remember last year was over twenty. This year I only have fourteen. So I, I missed one. Like thirteen out of fourteen. I really I'd take that. Obviously, covering basketball too, you know, it'd be a very high percentage. So I'll definitely take that every given week. And then I think uh, three, yeah, three buys. Well, that is great. That is great. There are some leagues though that still aren't. Uh, starting the playoffs this week. How, how do any how does any league have playoffs that start not till next week and then you have to go through week 17? That just seems like the worst idea ever. It is the terrible idea. For anybody that's in that kind of league, yourself included, find a different league next year. Don't play in it. The biggest problem with it is people try to argue and say at the beginning of the season, well, you can plan for these teams that might be having players that sit. First of all, you shouldn't automatically penalize any player or owner in your league by having that. And on top of it, we can't predict this every single year. At the beginning of the season, everybody thought the Arizona Cardinals were going to be a Super Bowl contender, and you would have had to thought about making plans for no David Johnson. But that's completely out the window. And on the flip side of it, we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys having the number one seed and possibly even starting to rest a few people in Week 16, which might only be the last few plays of the game. It's not going to be a significant portion. But you can see every given year, we can't predict exactly what's going to happen. So to add that factor in there, similar to what we just dealt with last week, having two teams on a bye you shouldn't have to deal with that similar station in your championship game. It's just it's ludicrous, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you. We'll get to Dallas in a little bit, actually, but I do want to uh, get your advice on uh, the, for those who do start the playoffs this week. I know a lot of people either try to take big risk when it comes to the playoffs or sometimes they're a little cautious when it comes to setting their lineup. So what advice would you give uh, fantasy owners who are starting the playoffs this week? Well, for the starting lineup and for your bench, you got two pieces of advice, and they're big pieces. First of all, for your starting lineup, mistrust who you got you to this point. Really, that's who got you here, that's who needs to be in your lineup, unless it's something that a role changed at this point. Like a perfect example, and we'll talk about waiver pickups, but Malcolm Mitchell for the Patriots. Okay, the role has changed. There's been an injury with Rob Gronkowski. Now he's seen the high percentage of snaps where he wasn't before. That's a role change. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact where people are like, oh, well, you know, Frank Gore has been decent all year long, and he's been my RB2, but maybe I'll play Kenneth Dixon this week. And it's those people that usually make those kind of mistakes in the playoffs and get bounced for it because they start looking for too much upside, and they put upside at every single position. You can do that occasionally if you're in a tough matchup, go for one player, but it's the overarching of replacing three or four guys out of your lineup that kills a lot of people, and then they end up with 20 points scored for their entire team. The second part of it is for your bench. At this point, there's no point in having a wide receiver six. There's no point in having these guys that are never going to touch your lineup. Empty out your bench. You want your handcuffs for your running backs. Heck, you want running back handcuffs for other teams to possibly screw them over. If you have Alfred Morris sitting out there and that owner of Ezekiel 8 doesn't have him, go pick him up too. 
You want those. You want a backup quarterback just in case yours gets hurt because you don't want to be chasing the waiver wired for Jared Goff. And then a backup tight end for the same reason. And then if you've been streaming defenses, look ahead. Look for a week 15 or a 16 matchup for a good defense if they're better than the ones you have. Because all these things will put you ahead of everybody else. When everybody starts trying to chase the waiver wire at the same time, you're already ahead of that game and have the leg up. Good advice there. How do you distinguish whether, you know, guys that you say use the guys that got you there, but how do you justify as far as what if they have a really tough matchup for the week? Is it just something that you have to go along with it just because they are really good? Or is it something that you may consider tweaking a little bit just because of a team that's facing a really good defense? You can look at matchups, but matchups should be tiebreakers. Every single week on RotoExperts.com, I write a column, and it's based on it's a formula. It's FPAT. It's fantasy points adjusted for defense. It basically takes it a step further because everybody can look at fantasy points allowed. But obviously, if you face Aaron Rodgers every single week versus Jared Goff every single week, you're going to give up more fantasy points. So this tries to adjust for that. So this is out there, and I say the same thing at the beginning of the season, and as we go through, I remind people, this is to break ties. This is... Maybe to go back to the Kent Dixon thing is you have two running backs on your team, like a Kent Dixon and a Bilal Powell is just because you went wide receiver heavy and you're trying to decide, all right, well, both these guys are similar. Who should I give the edge to? And while Kent Dixon's facing one of the worst five defenses and Bilal Powell is facing one of the fifth best, that's your tiebreak situation. You don't go out there and say, hey, I'm going to sit Aaron Rodgers because he's facing the Cardinals and play Sam Bradford because he's facing the Lions. You don't go that far. So, you can use defensive matchups to adjust your lineup, but it should be for close decisions. It shouldn't be to bench an RB2 or a wide receiver 2 or somebody like that where you're going for that upside because people that's the other mistake people will make. They will overrate matchups and say, oh, no, you know this guy's got one of the worst matches in the league. I, I got to sit. You know, I, I'm trying to think of anybody. Like, I got to sit Mark, Mark Ingram because he's got a tough matchup. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, you keep mentioning Kenny Dixon. I don't know if you just keep using him as an example, but it does get me to my <laughs> next question about running back situations um, with him and uh, West there in the uh, Ravens' backfield. Which running back situations do owners want to avoid heading into the playoffs? It would be similar to situations like that, and he was just in the mind when it came yeah. to those kind of situations because similar to him, Duke Johnson, Bilal Powell, any of these backfields where it's already a shared backfield and you just never know what you're going to get every single week. Like I would even say before Giovanni Bernard got hurt for the season, if you can, likely you can't, but if you could avoid a Jeremy Hill or Giovanni Bernard on your team for your starting lineup in the playoffs, because a lot of times the best playoff teams and the teams that are in the playoffs have a very good roster. So hopefully you don't need those kind of guys, but anybody who can be affected by game flow, you look at last night's game, Matt Forte, because they were down so early, we started to see some more Bilal Powell. He ended up having a mediocre game just because he wasn't on the field as much as he normally would be when they're in contention or have a lead. So those type of situations are the ones I want to try to avoid. Even somebody like Robert Kelly, if you can avoid him because he's not used in the passing game. So if the Redskins fall behind, which they haven't of late, but if they do, you're going to see more Chris Thompson. So those are the situations I would try to avoid as much as possible. I know you're not going to be able to avoid every single one, but those are the ones that you need to do your best. I would rather get the touches than the potential upside on a per-touch basis for yards. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys at the beginning of this segment here as far as teams that uh, Dallas is the only one that's clinched a playoff berth and uh, might clinch a bye soon uh, with home field advantage. So what are concerns with Dallas potentially clinching early as far as resting players like Dak Prescott or Zeke Elliott? How do you kind of balance that out if you have some of those guys on your roster? 
Well, this is if you are in one of those crazy leagues that shouldn't be playing in Week 17 but are, uh, this is where you start planning ahead, unfortunately. And to, like I said before, utilize your bench. Now you do need to make sure you grab a backup quarterback and make sure your quarterback has a good matchup for Week 17. Same thing with Zeke Elliott. The problem is, and to go back to that real quick, is that's just not – you can't take a top three running back out of somebody's lineup and play for a championship game and think it's fair. But you do have to plan for this. They're not going to rest anybody in week 16, as I mentioned. At worst-case scenario, maybe the last drive, if they're up big, you might have to worry about them pulling a few guys, but it's not going to be somebody where you're benching Ezekiel Elliott or Dak Prescott or Des Bryant or anybody like that. But because this concern is out there, same thing for the Patriots. The Patriots run into this every single year. You need to start looking for guys just in case, look at Week 17, see who's got some favorable matchups, but make sure your favorable matchups are other teams that are also on the reverse side of it. Make sure these aren't teams that are completely out of it with nothing to play for because you know they might pull some starters in the second half and say, ah, you know, why risk somebody getting hurt heading into the offseason and stuff like that. So look ahead, but look ahead with a smart, uh, smart outlook on what could possibly happen. All right, as we uh, head to waiver wire pickups uh, in the next couple of days, give me two or three worth picking up. Well, I mentioned before I can't Dixon, but he's you know he's still worth picking up because he's in the conversation of him. I said I mentioned Alfred Morris, Derrick Henry, D'Angelo Williams if he's coming back, Charles Sims is coming back, Shane Vereen is coming back. All these running backs, I'm just putting them out there as one big giant group. They need to be on. All these handcuffs need to be on teams. To go back to before, Malcolm Mitchell is one person that is the top of my list for waivers at this point of the season where it's not a handcuff, it's not an upside quarterback or something like that because the biggest concern was not his talent, was the snap counts. It was two weeks ago, he was on the field for less than 40% of the time. Well, last week with Noah Gronkowski, they started to go to three wide a lot more with the receivers. He's on the field almost as much as Chris Hogan, which is more than Edelman. I know Edelman had an injury, but to say that he was over 80% is really all that matters. And you've seen his ability in an offense led by Tom Brady. He's somebody like, put it, this might sound crazy, but people who own him will understand at this point, I would start Malcolm Mitchell over Allen Robinson the rest of the way, given their situations and their matchups. So those are, that's to go back to your matchup question. That's one where you can actually look at it because now they're in the same conversation. And then if you need tight end help, because a lot of people do at this point because it's been so inconsistent, Ladarius Green, he's very lowly owned. Uh, he had a great game against the Giants. The Giants haven't done much against tight ends this year in general. But the one thing about him, even though his snap count isn't over 50% yet, 90% of the time when he's on the field, he's running a passing route. So he's going to be involved in the passing game. Ben Roethlisberger has a history of loving his tight ends. He has a very high ceiling going forward. All right, before I let you uh, go here, let's talk about the Saints. Uh, three games on the road to end the season, one game at home, which is against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They face the Buccaneers on the road, the Cardinals on the road, and the Falcons on the road. How does the Saints schedule affect fantasy owners if you have, say, a Drew Brees and Ingram or some of the Saints wide receivers? Well, this is similar to the question from before of who got you here and don't bench your studs. Like, Drew Brees is never coming out of my lineup. I know it was disappointing last week, but how many times has this happened throughout Drew Brees' career? Not just this year or a couple last seasons. This just is, this is not normal. And so even going against Arizona, uh, Arizona actually, for how good their defense looks on paper, hasn't faced the toughest schedule this year. And they're technically kind of indoors. So, and you have Atlanta that's indoors. So really the only thing you have to worry about with the whole Drew Brees home road split which I, this is what I always say to everybody, too, is everybody talks about it and, oh, you got to worry about Drew Brees on the road. Look, Drew Brees is still great on the road. He's just in a whole other stratosphere when he's at home. So there's no reason I'm ever benching Drew Brees' matchup or not. Mark Ingram, the only concern I would have is if the toe is a concern and then facing somebody like Arizona because their run defense has actually been good no matter who they're facing. So something like that, I might bench my Mark Ingram, but – 
it would be a very tough call. Like I would have to have somebody else who's inside the top 25 running backs. It wouldn't be for somebody that's on the fringe conversation, like a ball pal who we've brought up two or three times already. And then the same thing with Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas. I know there's been some inconsistencies lately, but both of them are staying in my lineup. Willie Steed would be the only one because he's only the third option on the team. And that's the only, it's the attrition level of what's going to happen with the passes going around. So for the most part, most of these guys are going to stay in my lineup. Drew Brees always stays in my lineup. It would just depend on the rest of your roster. Do not bench these guys for waiver options. Like, put it this way. I would not bench any of the three wide receivers on the Saints for a Brandon LaFell. All right. Good stuff there. That's Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus, presented by Campbell Soup. Jake, the time has come. Fantasy football playoffs are here. Uh, enjoy this ride, and good luck to your uh, million teams this week. <laughs> Thank you. You do the same. All right. Appreciate it. All right. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. This is the Black and Blue. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. This holiday season, give the gift of New Orleans Pelicans basketball to that special sports fan in your life. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Tomino's, lets you pick four games to stick under the tree. Guarantee great seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. Visit pelicans.com to check another name off that holiday shopping list today. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. All right, time to wrap things up here from Studio B. Big thanks to Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com and Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. We'll continue our Pelicans conversation tomorrow with David Wesley from Fox Sports New Orleans, part of our Wesley Wednesday a tradition. Unlike any other, it'll be nice for Sean and David to be talking in the same city for the second straight week as uh, usually they're on a plane somewhere or in a hotel lobby on the road. Tomorrow they'll be here in New Orleans. And we'll kind of preview uh, Pelicans and Sixers on Thursday. And we'll begin our preview of Saints and Bucks as the Saints travel to Tampa Bay this weekend. Raymond James Stadium. That game has been flexed to 325. So keep in mind, no noon game anymore for New Orleans. It has been flexed to a later game as the Bucks are rolling right now. Now tied for the Falcons for first in the NFC South. And the Saints uh, need a win here to kind of hang in there in the NFC South playoff race as we approach the holiday season when dixie welcomes members of the greater new orleans community the mix and mingle with new orleans saints players the sensations gumbo and other fan favorites in support of second harvest food bank today from 5 30 to 7 30 at the win dixie store on airline across the, from the facility so come hang out with saints players sensations gumbo other fan favorites for second harvest food bank one in six households in louisiana are at risk for hunger that is why when dixie is stepping up to fight hunger Winn-Dixie is donating $0.05 cents to local food banks like Second Harvest for every Southeast Grocer's loaf of bread sold for an entire year. 
Join Winn-Dixie and the Saints in fighting hunger by supporting Second Harvest Food Bank, which provides 28 million meals to the community annually. Come have a great time again today from 5.30 to 7.30 with a simple donation of either five canned goods or $5 benefiting our local community. Make sure you go stop by there today, 5.30 to 7.30 at the Winn-Dixie store right here on Airline across from the facility. All right, that will do it for today's show. Again, big thanks to Jim Mikenhofer and Jake Seeley. Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair tomorrow. And until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.